Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all you elk hunters out there, Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Weekend Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A fossilized poop is called a coprolite. The individual that produced that fossilized poop, or coprolite, is its author. That's a recap for you longtime listeners. But this go-round, we aren't talking about whole rattlesnakes and human poop, which would be an anthropological discovery. We are talking about a paleontological poop find. This time, the author is a dinosaur called a Sylosaurus, and what makes its poo so interesting is, perfectly preserved inside are previously unknown beetle species. As everyone knows, one of the benefits to discovering a species is, you get to name it. And this beetle's name is now Triamixa coprolithica, which is funny to me because this ancient water beetle is now being named after the fact that it was discovered in poop, which brings to mind that old joke about the farmer who, despite having done lots of good things, is now remembered for the one bad thing he's done. Like, this is a water beetle that I am sure probably did something cool swimming around in ancient ponds, the Neolithic ooze, but that doesn't matter because it was eaten by a dinosaur who excreted it and that excrement calcified and mineralized into a fossil. I guess I must be unlucky. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, don't go dying in poop, kids. No matter what else you accomplish during your hopefully long, eventful life, that's all you'll be remembered for. Had this beetle been found in a beautiful, almost transparent piece of amber, which is fossilized tree sap, this beetle may have had a classier sounding name, 
and possibly had been remembered in the ancient entomology world as something that did more than wind up as poop, but animals encased in poop, just like those trapped in amber, have a lot to tell us. In fact, we can immediately tell more about this animal's story than those pretty transparent critters trapped in amber. We know it was eaten, and by what? Which is why recent developments in X-ray scanning called synchrotron microtomography are so exciting. Scientists can now scan coprolites and extract a 3D image of what or who is inside which will answer all sorts of questions about ancient food ladders, who ate who, and how did that change or not change over time. Being preserved in amber may be a prettier fate, but coprolites can tell us so much more. The best news from lead author Martin Vanstrom is this. There's tons of data waiting to be scanned. Which, you know, I mean, he's talking about poop. Yes, science! This week, we've got drought, little big technology, relative speed, bear attacks, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was my first at home for a bit, which sounds anticlimactic. I did some camping, got my mom on the fly pole. She caught some rainbows and a brook trout and high mountain streams. We cooked beef steaks on a flat top skillet over the fire. Caught an Independence Day barbecue in Livingston, Montana where quite mercifully, the heat dome broke, temps dropped from 90 degrees to 66, and I was in bed before the fireworks started in earnest. Felt great. The kid in me was disappointed, but the old man elated. I love the young people. Now I'm prepping to head to a wedding in southern Utah. You know the types of weddings where folks are like, please come, we can't go on without you, gotta make it happen. Then when you commit and RSVP, the couple is like, hey, uh, great, saw that you RSVP'd. Uh, Do you think you could cook? Bring a few things? RSVP is an abbreviation for respond, please. The uh, American version, anyway. So I guess what I'm saying is I can add catering to my wedding bona fides. Best of luck, good wishes, and congrats, Colin and Abby. Got to tell you about the Colin side of that equation. This guy, uh, I met him guiding up at Glacier Raft Company in West Glacier, Montana. He's uh, one of those folks that has like kind of the caved in chest. And I once saw another individual pour a shot of alcohol into the hole in his chest and drink out of it. But that's not the only reason this guy's memorable and, and that I'm going to his wedding. The other part is this guy is laser focused, always has been, on becoming a writer. Not just a writer, but a screenwriter. And he's been busting his hump, getting in any way he can. He's got all sorts of tales about the wild, sometimes incestuous world of filmmaking. He's often been unemployed, but always focused. And it's quite amazing to see. And one of his films, one of his projects, rather, there's more than just him on the film, is called Ted. And it's coming out. Uh, Neon Films purchased it for uh, distribution. And a little bit about Montana. Ted Kaczynski, you know, was captured here. The Unabomber was captured in uh, Lincoln, Montana. And Ted, the film Ted, is about Ted Kaczynski. Well, I mean, you're, you're just going to have to see it. Not bad for an old dirty guy to let people drink shots out of his caved-in chest. If you're wondering about the food, 
I brined and smoked Tom Turkey bone-in breast and a whole Canada goose. That goose fat could power a small army. It is delicious and as white as the snow. More than likely converted silage corn, if I had to guess. If folks like to refer to Sandhill Crane as the ribeye of the sky, maybe we can call Canada geese the ethanol of the sky. Or, as it will be in this case, wedding fuel. Moving on. The extreme drought across the West shows no signs of letting up, and we're seeing the effects in all kinds of ways. Our first story might have come straight out of a Cormac McCarthy novel. Droves of rattlesnakes have been moving into suburban and urban environments across California to find shade and avoid overheating. Len Ramirez of Ramirez Rattlesnake Removal told The Guardian that his business in L.A. has been a booming. He's been finding rattlesnakes under porches, around garden planters, and in children's swing sets and jungle gyms. Ramirez started his business in 85 and says that this is the highest concentration of snakes he's ever seen. At one house, he recently removed over 60 snakes. Watch your steps, people. If it buzzes, don't pick it up. Next up, here in the home state. As I mentioned last week, we've instituted so-called hoot owl fishing closures from 2 p.m. to midnight on portions of such notable trout streams as the Beaverhead, the Smith, the Shield, Big Hole, Jefferson, and the Sun. These restrictions limit the stress that angling puts on vulnerable fish once water temperatures climb later in the day. Please check the Montana Fish and Game website or stop into a fly shop or fishing retailer or bar next to where the stream is before you fish. There will be more river closures added to the list. Incidentally, the term hoot owl comes from the logging industry. In dry periods, loggers would limit work to early mornings when they could still hear owls hooting then knock off later in the day when there was less danger of their equipment starting fires. Over to the great state of Idaho. Water temperatures in the Snake and Salmon Rivers have climbed to over 76 degrees, which can be lethal for salmon. In response, Idaho Fish and Game has been trapping salmon and transporting them via truck to hatcheries to be artificially spawned. Some of these fish are going to Redfish Lake in central Idaho, where temps are a lot cooler. In Nevada, the Department of Wildlife has been transporting water by helicopter in unprecedented quantities to help desert bighorn sheep. As natural water resources have been drying up in the state, sheep and other wildlife have come to depend more and more on man-made water tanks, known as guzzlers, to stay hydrated. To replenish the guzzlers, shipping containers full of water are trucked out to outlying parking lots, then helicopters dip so-called Bambi buckets, or 200-gallon soft-sided containers, and fly out into the desert to drop the water off. The choppers have been making dozens of trips a day and delivering water at a rate of up to 3,000 gallons an hour. Even with this, desert bighorn numbers in the valley of Fire State Park in the southeastern part of the state are down at least 10% since last year. Nevada game biologist Pat Cummings told reporters, quote, We've had drought conditions before, but not anywhere near approaching this magnitude, this scale of severity. Up in North Dakota, the drought is hitting duck populations especially hard. The state saw its fifth driest spring on record this year, which is especially strange after 2020, which was the sixth wettest year ever. One survey showed pond counts down 80% from 2020 and 67% below the long-term average, 
Mallard numbers in North Dakota are down almost 49% from last year, the lowest level since 1993. Although fall 2021 duck hunting limits and seasons are already set based on last year's surveys, which is how it works, future seasons could see dramatic scaling back in response to this year's conditions. That means old Snort and I are going to have to work a little harder, but we're in it for the hard work. Okay, this has been a heavy series of updates, so we're going to ease out of our drought roundup with, you know, like a super cute story. A black bear sow and cub were caught on camera paddling around a backyard pool on the northern edge of Glendale, Los Angeles, right on the border of the Angeles National Forest. You know, City of Angels. This is very close to where the Bobcat fire burned in 2020, and after almost no precip in April and May of this year, LA County and surrounding areas have been stuck in one of the most extreme droughts in the region's history. Animals have been seeking man-made water sources as streams and ponds dry up. This particular mama and baby bear took to the pool on July 3rd, and in the video, they look like they're having a fantastic time. The cub makes a couple playful bites into mom's neck, then paddles in a circle and bats around the floating chlorine dispenser. Just like nature intended. Improvise, adapt, and overcome, mama bear. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash cal. That's meatfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. 
picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options, like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash eater, but you got to use the promo code MeatEater. That's promo code MeatEater, okay, at twc.health slash eater. Moving on to the technology desk. Microcomputers developed at the University of Michigan have recently shed new light on how one particular species of snail in Tahiti has managed to survive despite steep, slow-moving odds. Life has been rough for native South Pacific snails over the last hundred years. First, the invasive African giant snail was introduced to Polynesia by visiting ships in the early 20th century. The African giant has created havoc all over the world, not only as a voracious eater that outcompetes native snails, but also as a vector for diseases that affect native flora and all kinds of crops. To control the African giant snail, humans made a classic invasive species blunder by importing an even more aggressive predator. In this case, the rosy wolf snail. Rosy wolf is kind of like the mullet of snails. Business up front, party in the back. At 8 millimeters a second, this snail is fast and equipped with a long-toothed radula that extends from its proboscis that it uses to kill and eat other snails. Quick fun fact, the word radula is something that belongs to the mollusks, sometimes referenced as a tongue, but your tongue would have to have like a bunch of little teeth on it that could uh, cut or scrape things, kind of like a cat's tongue. Anyway, the word proboscis can be applied to all sorts of critters so long as they have tubular mouth parts that protrude from their heads. Bet you didn't know that. 80% of the rosy wolf's life is spent on the slime trail of other snails and slugs, Because of this, the rosy wolf, which is indigenous to the southeast United States, is seen as a good thing in gardens, but outside of its home states like Georgia and Florida, it can do incredible damage. In Hawaii, the rosy wolf is credited with the destruction of eight native snail species. The rosy wolf is in the top 100 of the IUCN's list of destructive invasive species. So don't let anyone tell you snails are boring, And if you're in Florida, you heard this right. One of your native species is outside of the state doing destruction. It's not somebody else's species coming to your state messing things up. Well, well, well. How the turntables... You can uh, raise a glass to that. 
But back to the South Pacific. Predictably, there was rampant snail-on-snail violence, and almost all the native gastropod species were killed off. But one notable survivor has been Partula hyalina, a snail with a bright white shell that is prized as decoration among Polynesian indigenous groups. Scientists had long suspected that the white shell had something to do with hyalina's ability to hold its own against the rosy wolf. But field technicians weren't able to observe all these tiny snails and collect the information necessary to test the hypothesis. This data collection became possible when engineers at the University of Michigan, bet you were wondering when we were going to get back to the University of Michigan, well here you are, developed the world's smallest computer, known as the Michigan Micro Moat, or M3. The solar-powered M3s are one millimeter wide, meaning they fit on the edge of a nickel with room to spare. So biologists were able to glue them directly onto the shells of the rosy wolf snail like teeny tiny GoPros. Conversely, the Michigan scientists couldn't affix the M3s directly to the shells of the endangered and threatened hyalinas for fear of harming them. So instead, they stuck the little units on the leaves the snails were sitting on, which is way better than those, like, GoPro chest rigs you see all the dads in Yellowstone National Park or on the ski hill are shackled with. It's a vacation with me and my best buddy. Oh, Donald Duck? No, silly. With you! Anyway, the team was then able to quantify the amount of sun radiation that each snail was exposed to by measuring the light hitting the tiny computer's solar panel. It turns out that P. hyalinus can withstand vastly more sun exposure than the rosy wolf because their white shell is able to deflect the sun's rays much better than the darker brown shell of the predator snail. So, by sticking to leaves at the edge of the forest canopy that get direct sunlight, hyalinus were able to evade their rosy wolf predators, even at night. The rosy wolf snails wouldn't venture out onto the exposed leaves because they wouldn't be able to make it back to shade once the sun rose. Turns out, 8 millimeters a second is fast for snails, but still not that fast. Now that the M3 computers have been able to solve this snail mystery, scientists are developing further applications to understand other threats to tiny but important animals like honeybees and monarch butterflies. What's that line about big things and small packages? Anyway, jumping over to the bear desk. A sow brown bear attacked hiker Jason Umbarco, biting him twice, once on his arm and once on his shoulder, after he had jumped into the Kenai River in an attempt to avoid the second bite, which, you know, didn't work out well. The hiker is fine, and if I'm being honest, the most notable part of this story is what every dog owner or prospective dog owner should know and fear. This poor guy's dog took off after the sow, then turned around and ran back to him for safety. At which point, the sow did what every human in a crowded park, boat launch, campground has wanted to do to the owner of a misbehaving off-leash dog. She bit him. To be clear, I do not wish any harm to the hiker or his dog. This could have been me with the dogs of my past when they were puppies and uncontrollable. Could still be me. If Snort, who is now a one-year-old dog, decides to act, you know, like a one-year-old dog instead of the wise old soul she is. The scenario that played out on the Kenai River last week was just that. A 14-week-old Border Collie puppy 
goes barking up to mom and the kids. And, you know, you know the rest. If you as a dog owner go out into any space, not even the wild ones, and do not have physical or verbal control of your dog, you could get your butt bit, possibly by an actual grizzly bear. Even worse, that uncontrolled animal that is an actual extension of yourself could get hurt and then, you know, you're a real jackass. First time I got charged by a grizz, I had not one but two yellow labs with me. They were sisters out of the same litter, scout and fish, aka the big fish. I thought for sure one of those dogs was going to go all white fang and try to defend me against the young sow grizz and in turn get me killed or crippled. Instead, the serious bird dog training of don't move from that spot until I tell you, I think saved our bacon. That sow charged three times and was met with a solid wall of small dog, medium person, big dog. That's scout, cow, big fish, if you're keeping track. I think she sized us up and realized three is too many. She got as close as nine feet. It was wild. I'll never forget it. I had a can of bear spray and a 45 on me. Didn't have the time or mental capacity to think of either one as I was, you know, balancing out the possibilities of vet bills due to my actions. Worked out well that time, but who knows what could happen next time. But back to our hiker. After the bear attack, the puppy was nowhere to be found, but a friendly member of the medical staff offered to help while Umbarco was recuperating in the hospital. Fortunately, Umbarco's luck hadn't run out, and the puppy was returned unharmed after a few days in the bush with the help of a Facebook post and the community. Umbarco had this to say, I made some bad choices going down that trail, so I'm just going to redouble being cautious. The summer is moving forward. We're still camping, we're still hiking, and we're just going to go forward with a new understanding. I believe in that quote, he's speaking for both himself and his now 15-week-old Border Collie puppy, Buckley. Wish you two a great summer. Next up, and back to the state of Montana. Last week, a grizzly bear killed a female camper in the town of Ovando, Montana. Ovando is a cool little spot of roughly 100 residents just off of Highway 200 and the Blackfoot River. The nearest big town would be Missoula or the state capital, Helena. Ovando is in prime grizz country, sitting on the edge of the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex, as well as the aforementioned Blackfoot. Reportedly, the camper was part of a group of cyclists camped on the grass behind the Brand Bar Museum and the post office. Facts are unclear. It appears that the attack happened somewhere between 3 and 4 a.m., Tuesday the 6th of July. Another camper, part of the victim's party, was able to end the attack by using bear spray, but the victim was not able to be resuscitated. What we know so far is, a grizzly bear was spotted in camp or near the campsite about 3 a.m. and was hazed away. A grizz, likely the same, was caught on another property's surveillance camera at 3.15 a.m. It is normal for grizzlies to be very near Ovando, Montana, even, I would say, occasionally wandering through town. But a bear attacking a person in a campground full of people is rare. But that's what happened at approximately 3.30 that morning. Ovando is a popular stopover point for cyclists traveling the Great Divide mountain bike route, an increasingly popular cycling adventure that, according to bikepacking.com, is the most recognized and important off-pavement cycling route in the U.S., if not the world. 
The route crisscrosses the Continental Divide from north to south, starting in Banff, Alberta, and finishing at the U.S.-Mexico border in Antelope Wells, New Mexico. Depending on what variation of the route a cyclist takes, a distance of 2,696 miles could be covered with a total ascent of 149,664 feet, which is, uh, let's say, like riding up five Mount Everest. Cyclists can stay in town and grab chow at the Stray Bullet or spin up the hill to the semi-famous Trixie's, a place that will always be near and dear to my heart because I've had several bartenders take pity on myself or myself and a buddy or two after we've come in from hunting or fishing, cold, wet, and late, well past food serving time, yet they still offered to reheat us some chili out of the pot. And that's the way things are supposed to work. When you're here, you're family. Anyway, the cycling traffic has increased over the years, becoming a steadier and steadier stream of income and more common occurrence to towns like Ovando along the Great Divide mountain bike route. We know that busy little or big towns do not typically attract grizzly bears. We know that unprovoked attacks of people in their tents at night are highly uncommon. But we also know that predators do adjust to changing migration patterns. Just throwing that out there. Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks officials collected DNA from the site of the attack, which will be compared against any grizzlies caught in the area. The suspected bear also broke into a chicken coop, killing several chickens the same morning. Culvert traps have been placed near the coop in hopes that the bear returns to finish the chicken job. Two Bear Air also flew the area using thermal cameras in an attempt to locate and kill the bear, which is estimated to be a 400-pound boar. I spoke with a biologist friend of mine who provided some age and weight data for the region that suggests that a 400-pound boar would likely be 5 years old, but could be as young as 4 years old. Which, in my opinion, if you want it, says that this bear has enough knowledge under its belly to know what trouble looks like and stay away from it. At the risk of getting preachy here, I'm going to say this. We are in a dry season. Life has been very good for the predator populations and the prey populations, but now it's dry. Water sources are limited, food is limited, and there is a lot of competition for both. Be on your A-game while in bear country. Stressed animals make unusual and unpredictable decisions. Make noise, carry bear spray, have that handy, be prepared. If you want to carry a firearm, only do so if you actually know how to use it. Practice and be sure of your target and beyond. I preach bear spray to people because people in general can hit something with bear spray. Not that many people can hit something with a bullet. One last bit before we move on from this story. You recall how I said the cyclists were camped behind the post office and the Brand Bar Museum? Well, the Brand Bar, as you may have guessed, wasn't always a museum, but it wasn't always the Brand Bar either. Back in 1897, the original owner-operators, Charlie Young and Henry Dixon, named it the Bucket of Blood Saloon. Now, you have to wonder, if the establishment had held on to its former name, the Bucket of Blood Saloon, would it get so many campers today? That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're getting towards hunting season. You probably need a sharp implement in your truck. 
such as like a nice felling axe or a battery-operated, clean, quiet, powerful steel chainsaw. Check out www.steeldealers.com to find a knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They'll help you out. They help me out. And, last but not least, let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and burnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more.